Tuesday, November 24th, we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3.20, a living hope. If we had only the Old Testament and not the New, we should find it difficult to understand why in one place his coming is said to be for suffering and humiliation and in another for glory and power and worldwide dominion. How and why his visage would be more marred than any man's, and yet he be exalted and lifted up and made very high and astonished nations by the splendor of his majesty. The New Testament is the key to the old, and by it the whole subject of the coming of the Lord is opened up for us, and we learn that two comings were in view at the first of which the sufferings of Christ would be fulfilled, and at the second the glories that should follow. Our position as the assembly lies between the two. He came once not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Then he was wounded for our transgressions. Then he died for our sins according to the scriptures, and was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. After that he showed himself by many infallible proofs to his disciples, and ascended to heaven in their sight. With hearts aglow, with devotion to him, they gazed with wonder after him, as the cloud of glory received him, and immediately two heavenly messengers stood at their sides, and announced to them the fact that he, this same Jesus, and not another, would so come as they had seen him go. It became an integral part of the apostles preaching the testimony of the Lord. He had been here, and he had returned to heaven from whence he came, but he would come back again. He would come in glory to judge the world in righteousness, and rule the nations with a rod of iron, and banish sorrow and crying from the earth, and bring in gladness and peace. The coming again of the Lord Jesus was a living hope and not only a doctrine to those early Christians. J.T. Mawson